Hallelujah. We are his. Praise God. We belong to him. And he's faithful to take care of us. Hallelujah. Aren't you thankful for his faithfulness? Have you ever found yourself not being faithful? <laughs> Have you ever found yourself not being perfect? Have you ever found yourself not uh, hitting the mark? Well, he's never found himself doing any of those things. Praise God. Hallelujah. Well, if you have your Bibles, you can go to John 8, 32. This is almost like uh, part B or part two of our Easter message. And I had made a statement last week and, and I'd, I've said it before, but it's been just rolling around in my spirit. And, you know, all week I've been struggling because I just have not yielded to what he wants to say, you know. And you ever seen a little kid uh, working with those uh, uh, shape puzzles? And, you know, they have a couple pieces left or, and, they're, and it's supposed to go in the circle spot and they're, they're trying to put it, the, the rectangle in the circle spot or the triangle in the circle spot and they're trying to force it every which way. Well, that was me this week, trying to force it and make it work and then I just yielded to him and, okay, Lord, yes, we'll just continue that. And so I'm excited about the word tonight. Let's just go ahead and let's believe God for the utterance and the boldness that we need. Father, help us tonight to say what needs to be said, to do what needs to be done. Father, uh, I'm fully yielded to you. It's not about my plans, not what I think. It's about what you think, what you want to say, not what I want to say or what I think needs to be said. And so, Father, as I open my mouth, you're going to fill it with words from heaven, boldness and utterance. Father, I've been in your presence all week just declaring boldness and utterance. And so, Father, I thank you that it'll come out tonight in the way that it needs to. Father, that will be a blessing to each person listening, each person that is here, each person that avails themselves to this message. And, and Father, just like the psalmist of old said, make my tongue like the pen of a ready writer. Father, I thank you that your word is truth. Your word is our help. It is a lamp unto our feet. It is a light unto our path. It is our answer. It is our help. We give you the praise and the glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, in John 8, 32, familiar verse, you know, we, we looked at it uh, a little bit last week, but I want to continue with what we're supposed to do here tonight. And I'll tell you what, stuff like this makes me thankful for the Holy Ghost. Because I, I really not, I don't mean this to denigrate or degrade myself. I, I'm not really the sharpest tool in the toolbox, you know. And, and uh, uh, you know, uh, so maybe be accused at times of being one fry short of a happy meal, naturally. Just, but in Christ, I have the wisdom, right? I have the wisdom of Him, and I can do all things. So I, that's why I try to stay in Him, because then... Then things work out, but in John 8, 32, it says, and you shall know the truth. And the Holy Spirit right there just arrested my spirit when as soon as I read the first two, two words, and you, and you, and you, look who the responsibility's on. You, amen? Look who the responsibility's on. It's you. You know why a lot of people are struggling and why a lot of people are frustrated and why a lot of people's life is like that uh, circle shape trying to be fit into the square peg or the triangle shape is because they're waiting on him. And he says, you, you, right? And you shall know the truth. So you got to get into the know about some things, but it says you shall know the truth and the truth shall, look at this, make you free. <laughs> Hallelujah. You know how, you ever hear little kids, they argue or something, and you say, you, you can't make me do that. 
I like when my kids say that to me. Oh, yes, I can. I can make you do it. And you know what truth can do? Truth can make you do something. Truth can make you free. Amen. Do you see that there? Known truth can make you free. You might be made into something else. You might be made into the bondage of sickness. You might be made right now into the bondage of depression and fear and anxiety. You might be made into the, the bondage of, of poverty and lack, sickness in your body, emotional torment, mental torment, circumstances through your children. You might be made that way. And there's a lot of things that the world puts us in that puts us into bondage and holds us below what abundant life, right? But the Bible says if you would get into the know, you'd be made something else. You'd be made freedom because it makes you, praise God. It makes you, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. It makes you free. If you know the truth, the truth will make you free. Well, what is he talking about truth? Flip over to John 17 in verse 17. John 17 in verse 17. Praise God. Truth we're talking about. Known truth will make you free. And isn't that, isn't that incredible? That, wow, that takes the pressure off. I just thought about that. So, so I don't need to have, get a raise then to be financially free? No, I just need to know truth. You mean I don't have to wait for the doctors to find a cure and find the right medicine for freedom? No, I just need to know the truth. You, you mean I don't have to have the court system and the natural system work in my favor for freedom to be realized? No, I just need to know truth. Praise God. Do you see how simple he makes your victory? Do you see what he says your victory is hinging on? Do you see it? It's hinging on whether or not you know the truth. Now, I know what happens, and we got to be so careful of this, and I don't, I don't stand up from a place of the finger pointing or being mean or, or hurtful. I'm compassionate, just like Jesus is. Jesus is compassionate to what you face, right? He's a, he's a Lord of mercy. He's a Lord who, who sympathizes with, with our tests, with our trials, with our infirmities. He knows what it's like, right, being tested in every point. But he also still is very bold, isn't he? He's also very bold. He says, listen, you want to be free? It comes down to you knowing the truth. And see, as soon as we accept that, you know, one of the, the, Brother Hagin said this, the greatest need in the body of Christ is for people to renew their mind. Renew their mind to what? The word. Well, what will most people say? How dare he say that? He doesn't know what my financial situation is. How can he say that if I just know truth, I get made free? I didn't say that. Jesus did. How can he say that it's not about a cure? I've been told I'm, in, I'm incurable. I've been told, and that, and that incurable disease is holding me in bondage, and, and there's no help for that. And it's been, it's been years People died from this thing. How dare he say that? I didn't say that. Jesus said that. And that's the problem with people is what? They have not adopted what he said. They've adopted what the world has said, what the circumstances have said. But he said if you would know truth, you'd be free. Well, what is truth? Sanctify them through thy truth. Well, what is truth? Thy word, thy word is truth. So now, we talked about this last week, and some's going to be overlapping and spilling onto each other, and that's okay. 
But what did we say last week that Jesus said? Our life is hid with Christ. What does that word with mean? In, in union, right? Peanut butter and jelly. They're separate, but they come together and they get each other on each other. Well, we're supposed to get a lot of him onto us, right? The jelly becomes the peanut butter. The peanut butter becomes the jelly. They become one sandwich. They're mi mixed together. We are to what? Know the truth. Remember we've talked about the word know? Remember when Mary said, uh, how can this be? I've not known a man. When, she, when they said, you're going to be with a child. She said, I've never known a man. We know what that word know means. To become one with, right? In, in the confines, in the context of a husband and wife. And in, 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 in uh, childbirth, becoming one. Knowing a man. She said, how can this be? I haven't become one. Well, in God's eyes, in, in a marriage, when a husband and wife uh, conceive a child, they've become one. They've, be, they've, they've joined together, right? They're now one. God doesn't see us as, as two. He sees as one. Remember what Paul said? That, that, that one, two flesh becoming one flesh in God's eyes? Hallelujah. Yeah, but you also remember when he said, this is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. What's he saying? Not only is a husband and wife supposed to become one Christ in the church. Maybe we should take a look there real quick because that just came up out of my heart. So go, go with me to Ephesians. Hallelujah. Before I start spouting off verses, I'm going to make sure to find it here. Ephesians chapter 5. Here we go. Verse 30. Whoo, glory to God. Actually, go back to verse 29. Actually, go back to verse 28. Just keep going back. Just keep going back. I'm talking about the whole thing. So ought men ought to love their wives as their own bodies. Well, why would a man love his wife as his own body? He that loveth his wife, look in God's eyes, loveth himself. Well, how can that be? Because in God's eyes, they're not two people anymore. They're one. And then he goes on and talks about it. For no man ever hated his own flesh, but nourished and cherisheth it. What's he saying? A, a man in his right mind doesn't purposely hurt their body. Now, we know people do that stuff, and there's things wrong, but, but a person that's in their right mind, that's, that's not facing oppression, not facing depression and all that, they don't purposely go out of their way to harm themselves. No, you, 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 you're careful when you drive. You stay in the lines. You stop at the stop signs, right? You, you don't eat things that say poison. You, you're doing the right things the best you know how for your body. Why? It's your own flesh. It's your own body. It says no man ever hated his own flesh, but nourish and cherish that even as the Lord, the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, of his bones. Now look at this. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, talking about marriage now, and shall be joined unto his wife, and the two shall be one. Well, what's that joining talking about? It's talking about when Mary said knowing, becoming, husband and wife. And in the context of a husband and wife, what goes with the husband and wife? The union, the intimacy that comes with it. He says, in that, that's two becomes one. But then he says, this is a great mystery. But I'm speaking concerning Christ and the church. So he's talking about two different things. He's talking about husband and wife. But the greater point he's making is becoming one flesh, becoming one with Christ. Who's Christ? Christ is the word. Becoming one. Well, sanctify them, right, with your truth. Thy word is your truth. Remember, go back to John 17, 17. Thy word is truth. Do you see that there? 
Well, what did he say? If you know the truth. Well, what do we know about knowing? Joining, becoming one with. Union as one with it. No man ever hated his own flesh, right? Don't hate your wives because in God's eyes, that's your own flesh as one. Well, he's saying become one with the word. And what happens when you become one with the word? You are then set free. So why aren't people set free? Because they have not become one with the word. They are one with their circumstances. They are one with their checkbook. They are one with their body. They are one with their symptoms. They are one with the calendar. They are one with what their eyes see. What, what I mean, they agree with that. They've come into union with that. That's where their agreement is. That's where their belief is. That's where their talking is. Amen? But he said freedom comes when you become one. Become one with truth. Thy word is truth. Now go with me to Numbers 13, 25. Numbers 13, 25. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Numbers 13, 25. Look what it says here. Numbers chapter 13 and verse 25 says, And they returned from searching the land after 40 days. Now what is this? God said after they came out of Egypt, You're going to the promised land. And I'm giving you a land. Chapter 13, verse 1 and 2, he said, well, I'm giving you a land, right? Go spy it out. Go check it out. Go and find out what you see. Go experience it in the natural. And they went, verse 26, and came back to Moses and to Aaron, to all the congregation of the children of Israel under the waters of Paran and Kadesh, brought back word unto them and all the congregation showed them the fruit of the land. And they told him and said, we came unto the land where you sent us, and it flowed with milk and honey, and this is the fruit of it. Now, that's a fact. They point out a fact. Nevertheless, the people are strong that dwell in the land. The cities are walled and very great. Moreover, we saw the children of Anak. Now, he, what, are they, what are they reporting here? Facts. We saw the children of Anak there. That was not a lie. The Amalekites in the south, the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and the coast of the Jordan. What are they telling them? Facts. And Caleb still the people before Moses, verse 30, and said, let us go up, we're able to possess it, for we're able to overcome it. For the men that went up with us said, we're not able to go up them, for they are stronger than we. And they brought up an evil report of the land, which they had searched under the children of Israel, saying, the land which we have gone to search, that the land eats up the inhabitants thereof. And all the people that we saw in it are men of great stature. And there we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, which come of the giants, and we were on own sight grasshoppers, and so we were in their sight. But go back to verse 32. God told them to do something. He told them to go out and look at the land, come back and report on the land. Well, they got off into some doubt and unbelief and really, really kind of started to really spiral, right? I mean, they, they, they only looked at themselves as grasshoppers, right? They completely denied what God could do. But some of the things that, that caused them to feel that way were factual, weren't they? Were the cities walled? They were. How do we know? Well, in the first place they got into the promised land was where? Jericho. How did they get into Jericho? The wall came down. There was a wall there. And were there people in the south and in the mountains and already fortresses there and already civilization and already people that own the land? Absolutely, right? Hallelujah. And when they said there were giants in the land, I, I'm, not, I'm not saying that's a lie. 
they, they very well could have seen that, wow, these people are big, strong people here. And so they're reporting back, and they're reporting facts of what the natural is telling them, what they're seeing, what they're experiencing, what they're feeling, what they're hearing, what is in front of them. But God says in verse 32 that they brought up an evil report. Well, the, the, the evil report is not that there's walls. The evil report is not that there's already people there. The evil report is not that there's something wrong with your blood work. The evil report is not, this was on my x-ray. That's not the evil report. The evil report is not, my checkbook says I don't have enough money to pay my bills. That's not the evil report. That's the facts of the situation. And God never told us to deny facts. He did tell us to not believe them. He did tell us to not put our faith in them. Well, what does belief, how do we know when people are in belief? The way their face looks, the way their attitude is, the way their words, out of the abundance of the heart, which you believe with the heart, the mouth speaks. Well, what were they saying? We can't, we can't, we can't. Why? Because their belief was what? We can't do this. It wasn't the fact that there were, there were bad reports. God knew there was going to be things that were naturally off the evilness of the report was when they believed the facts over the truth what was the truth the truth was this land is yours the facts were no it's not and the thing that's been rolling around in my spirit and i've said it before but now it's this will be the title i don't know if we've ever had a message this title or not i have no idea Truth trumps facts. Truth trumps facts. Why aren't people set free? Because a lot of people know the facts. But the facts don't set you free. What do you mean? They become one with the facts. They became one with the facts. The facts were you can't have this land. They became one with it. They agreed with it. They believed it and they spoke it. They became one with that. They joined. They hooked up with what that was saying. Now, Caleb and Joshua, the only two people, they showed us the difference, didn't they? There were facts. They saw the same walls. They saw the same people. And never once do you hear Caleb or Joshua say, no, nah, stop. There was no walls. They weren't deniers of facts. If the doctor tells you you have a broken arm, don't tell him, no, I don't. The facts say, yes, you do. It's not faith. It's not out of faith to acknowledge the facts. The acknowledgement of a wall was not doubt and unbelief. The belief in the wall was when it got evil. And so many people uh, are one with the facts but it's not if you know or become one with the facts are you set free. It's when you become one with truth. And what God is saying to us, and we're going to look at the rest of this message and get across to you in your own lives, is that truth trumps facts. And here's what you need to know. Every situation has facts, and every situation has a truth that goes with it. Amen. And every situation uh, uh, that, has, that has those facts 
it can be loud and in our face, but it's not knowing the facts that set us free. It's knowing, joining, becoming one, agreeing with, right? When you become one with truth, you agree with it. You are on board with it. Amen? You do it. You speak it. You live it. Praise God. And so here he's saying to them, he's telling them, and this is, this is really the crux of why so many of God's children, I made this statement last week, I think it was in the South Bay Easter message, that it is out of order. It is out of order and backwards for a child of God who is more than a conqueror, who has the greater one on the inside of them, to be in bondage to addiction. Now, not out of order in the sense that the person's a bad person. I don't mean it that way. To be struggling as a child of the king with what he's offers. It is out of order and backwards for a Christian, a child of God, who sits on a throne with streets of gold, it is out of order for that child of God to live in poverty and lack and struggle. It's bondage. It's a weight. It is out of order to have, the Bible says this, that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, it dwells in you. For what purpose? To quicken or make alive your mortal flesh. Yeah, it's out of order for a child of God with the spirit that had the power to raise the dead. Hallelujah. On the inside of you to live constantly in sickness. Nobody is ever going to con con convince me that poverty, depression, fear, anxiety, addictions, and sin is freedom. I'm not buying that. All those things are bondages. And Jesus said simply, the way you get free, now see, why people refute this is because they think the knowing is equal to being able to quote a verse. Quoting, uh, the devil can quote verses. Remember the seven sons of Sceva? The Jewish priests, seven sons, they tried to cast out the devil. And the devil spoke up in this person, right? And, they, and, they said, and the devil said what to, to them? They said, I know Jesus and I know Paul, but I don't know who you are and what. Kicked the tar out of them. And they ran away cold because they were naked. They had no clothes, ran away beaten, bloody. Now, what's my point there? There they were just speaking things. We cast you out in the name of Jesus. But they didn't know or become one with that authority. Amen? And so many times people say, that's, that's, that's not true. The, the truth doesn't make you free because I know, I know a verse on finances. I know a verse on healing. I, I've been quoting a verse on healing. You can quote all the verses you want. You can, you can speak all the verses you want. That doesn't mean you know it. It doesn't mean you've become one with it just because you can say it. Amen. Anybody can say anything. And that's when, now when you think about then, when you think, of, think about this, this truth trumping uh, facts, that's the crux of why people 
don't get to step over and why so many people are still in bondages as Christians, as backwards as it is, it really does come down to a lack of knowing it, becoming one with it, agreeing with it, speaking it in the way that God said it, which is what? My truth, regardless, this goes back to the enemies of faith, my truth, regardless of what you see, of what you hear, of what you feel, of what the calendar says, and of what you think, regardless of those things, as real as they are, the day is long, my truth is what you are to become one with. And people just don't do it. And they walk around, this faith stuff doesn't work. Uh, this, this just me, be my cross to bear. Not if God said you can have different. Stop agreeing with things that aren't truth. So many people agree with things that are not truth. You are to agree with only truth. Amen? Go with me uh, real quick to Matthew 14 and verse 14. Matthew 14, 14. I want to show you in the Bible just a few places. We won't take a whole lot of time, but just a few places till we get what we need to get to done of where truth trumps facts. That the facts said something, but truth said something else. Praise God. I'm not denying that your, true, that your facts say you have this disease, you have this sickness, you have this symptom in your body. I'm not denying that. I'm not denying that your bank account says you can't pay your bills. Hopefully that's not the case for people, you know what I'm saying, but it happens at times. I'm not denying that the facts say my kids are going this way and naturally it's looking this way and it's hard in the circumstances. Not denying that. Just like we're not denying the walls. We're not denying the people. Matthew 14, 14. And Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion towards them and healed their sick. And when it was evening, his disciples came on him saying, this is a desert place and the time is now past. Send the multitude away. They may go into the villages and buy themselves victuals or supplies. So what? There's a supply issue here. They need, these people need supplies. They need their needs met. But Jesus said unto them, they don't need to depart. You give them to eat. Or he, Jesus is saying, let's be the ones that provide their needs. And they said to him, we, don't have, we only have here five loaves and two fish. Well, here we are. Classic case of facts saying something. And we know how many people are here in this, this story. What does it tell us? It tells us here that... Uh, 5,000, verse 21, you don't need to turn there, 5,000 men besides women and children. So what do we say? 7, 8, 9, 10, 15,000, who knows? Just all depends on how frisky they wanted to be back then. I don't know. Just, that's, we, we, how can we know? I guess we could know by looking at culture. I guess we could know. But anyways, we know there's more than 5,000 there. 5,000 people, the facts say we have what? Five loaves, two fish. The truth said, we're feeding them. The facts said, five loaves, two fish. The truth said, we'll give them something to eat, right? Because Jesus said in verse 16, but Jesus said, they don't need to depart, you give them something to eat. And they said to him, we don't have here but five loaves, two fish. He said, bring them to me. The truth is saying something different. 
than the facts. Glory to God. And he commanded the multitude, verse 19, to sit down on the grass and took the five loaves of two fish. Looking up to heaven, he blessed break and gave the loaves to his disciples and disciples to the multitude. And they did all eat and were filled and took up the fragments that remained 12 baskets full. And they that had eaten were about 5,000 men besides women and children. How in the world can this happen? If you know the truth, the truth will make you free. Well, what was the bondage here? Lack. Poverty. They need something. Send them away. They need... No. Truth said will be the ones. Well, go with me in Philippians 4.19. It's your truth. <laughs> Philippians 4.19. Yeah, your checkbook is factual. Your bank account, that number there at the bottom, it's factual, right? That the bills at home, on your desk, on your countertop, wherever, on your table, those are factual. Your paycheck that maybe is seemingly not enough money, it is factual. And so when it comes to your needs... Are you knowing the facts or are you knowing the truth? And the people that consistently stay in less and in lack is because what? They've joined with the facts. But the people that will rise above have what? Joined with the truth. My God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory. You know, I just had this translation come to me, the Pastor Mike translation. It's one I've never had before, but my God shall supply all your needs regardless of what your facts say. What's that tell you? That it doesn't matter what my facts say. My God, well, I need this to happen in my life. Okay, I need this to sell. I need this to work on. I need this race. The facts might be telling you something, but my God will supply all your needs regardless of what your facts say. Or you could read the other Pastor Michael Anderson translation, Amplified style. This is what the Amplified of Pastor Mike Anderson translation would say this. I don't give a rip what the facts say about your needs. I'll supply it. That's what he's saying in there. I don't give a rip about the facts. I don't give a rip. When are you going to start not giving a rip? Well, as long as you're talking about it, you're giving a rip. As long as you're thinking about it, you're giving a rip. As long as you're down and out and not rejoicing and a grumbling in the morning, you're giving a rip. you got to stop giving a rip. He doesn't give a rip. He says, I don't give a rip what your facts say. I don't give a rip about what the bank says. I don't give a rip how long that's been. I don't give a rip what the economy says. I don't give a rip. All I care is about my truth. I don't care that there's five loaves and two fish. I don't give a rip. Praise God. I think I just watered the fake flowers. Something came shooting out of my mouth. Something came shooting out of my mouth. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. I don't give a rip. And that's what needs to become one with you. You know... I, I go back to the well of this testimony all the time, but it's until I have a greater trial and test to tell you about, I'm going to keep going back to that well when it's on my heart. $2,000 short every month, told I am not allowed to get another job. I'm already staying home with Caleb all day and pastoring the church 
Courtney's working no nighttime job, no this, no salary, $2,000 short a month. And guess what Jesus was saying? I don't give a rip about your facts. My facts were I can't do this. My facts were what am I going to do? But truth said I will meet all your needs. Praise God. Real quick, go to Luke chapter 5. Because I can't leave this out when it comes to your needs being met. I, I'm, I don't think it's a problem in here. I don't. I, but at the same time, you know, sometimes... Uh, I guess I'm not shocked by things at times. Things come across my desk. and Oh, wow, I, I never would have thought that or whatever. But what I'm saying is, what I want to say is that when it comes to your supply, you can't leave out giving. If you're not faithful in the area of giving, stop expecting it to work for you in the supply department. Amen? You know what's crazy about when Paul spoke Philippians 4.19 to that church, it was to a church that he was talking about that was faithful in their giving. And he said, my God shall supply your needs because you're cooperating with heaven's plan of sowing and reaping. Praise God, it's true. Now, why am I saying this? Because... Facts at time will tell you what? Oh, I can't tithe. Truth tells you, yes, you can. Facts say you can't. Truth tells you to give above the tithe. Facts will tell you, no, I can't. Well, look at Luke chapter 5. And it came to pass that as he, people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Genesaret, Saw two ships standing, verse 2, by the lake, but the fishermen were gone out of them washing their nets. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. Now when he had left speaking, excuse me, he said unto Simon, launch out on the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Now we already know, number one, the truth said, let me use this. Give me your boat. Let me use it. Now Jesus is saying, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a, a draught or a catch. And Simon answered, said, Master, we have toiled all the night, taken nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I'll let down the net. So what do we have here? Classic battle. Facts versus truth. Thank God Peter didn't become one with his facts. Because if Peter would have become one with his facts, he would have said, Mr. Carpenter, sir, with all due respect, you stick to building tables, I'll stick to catching the fish. And, you know, sir, I, uh, we fished last night because nighttime is the best time. It's not because we enjoy staying up all night. It's because that's the best time. Now we're cleaning our nets, not out on the water, because this is not a good time to fish. That would be becoming one. You agree with that? You talk it. Your attitudes, your actions, right? Or uh, we just fished these waters all night long in the best time and caught absolutely nothing. I'm sorry, sir. We're not going to do it. Thank God. What does that sound like? It sounds like this. Pastor Mike, I can't afford to tithe. <gasps> but the word tells you, bring ye all the tithe. Tithe is never about what the balance sheet says. Tithe never gets to the balance sheet because the tithe is 10% off every increase regardless of how when you're done with all your bills what the balance sheet says. So to say I can't afford to tithe, if you make any money, 
You can afford it because the tithe is found in that increase. It comes out of that. So if you got a dollar, you absolutely have 10 cents because it comes out of that first. If you got a million dollars, I can't afford $100,000. What do you mean? You just got a million. The $100,000 already in the million. So to say, I can't afford to tithe, it's a lie. Truth said, bring it. Glory to God. Truth said, or fact said, I can't do this. We can't keep doing, we can't do this. And what happened when they did it? The boat was filled with fish. Amen. When people become one, I, it's like, I remember the story. I tell this one all the time too. I tell a lot of my stories all the time because I only have my stories to tell. And I'm only 43. Double that, I'll be 86. When I'm 86, I'll have double the stories. That'd be great. Amen. Hallelujah. I remember an offering years ago. Personally, my finances are in the trash. Personally, the, in, in the na natural facts were the church's finances. We're just getting ready to move into the, what's now the, the old sanctuary at South Dayton and, and the fellowship hall. Naturally, the facts are saying this is bad news. And an offering had come up that I had purposed in my heart to give. You know, the Bible says I can give into every good work. I should purpose in my heart. So I purposed a number in my heart, and God said, uh, we're going to up that purpose five times, that amount. And uh, it was, if you were to look at a pie chart, it was one-fourth of what was there. So God, was, God spoke to me in a Pastor Nancy Dufresne service. You're going to go from one-twentieth to one-fourth of what's there. That's a big chunk. That's a big chunk. So up it five times. Well... I knew that God had spoke that to me. Well, I have a choice, don't I? The facts say you're stupid. The facts say that's dumb. The facts say, oh, this guy's a carpenter. What does he know? Oh, he doesn't know. Where are the fishermen? This is stupid. This isn't intelligent. Where's the wisdom in this? Where's the wisdom in one-fourth of an offering? When truth says it, you better become one with that truth. You know, some people won't even open themselves up to truth. Amen. How many? Abraham had to open himself up to truth, didn't he, for truth to happen? Like, take your son up on the mountain and kill him. That's what truth said. That's what truth said to do. Facts said so many different things, but he said, I become one with the truth. Why? Because when I become one with the truth, freedom's at the end of the road. Hallelujah. You become one with the truth of tithing, guess what's at the end of the road? Freedom. You become one with the truth on giving, guess what's at the end of the road? Freedom. You become one with the truth on when the Holy Ghost says to do something that makes your eyeballs spin, guess what? Freedom is on the end of the road. Peter could never imagine that at the end of that road would have been the freedom of walking into that financial blessing. Truth trumped facts, didn't it? Amen. Hallelujah. Go with me to Romans 4 and verse 17. I know what you're thinking. You might not be saying it and expressing it right now, but I know what you're thinking. Gosh, Pastor Mike, we love you so much. Thank you. I, I know you're thinking it. I, I know that's how you're feeling right now. You're, you're, thank God for this message. I know. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. You know what I am? I'm a truth teller. I'm a truth teller, a word, word teller. Thy word, thy word is truth. Romans 4, 17. As it is written, I've made you a father of many nations before him whom he believed. 
even God who quickeneth the dead and calleth those things which be not as though they are or were. Who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body, now dead when he was a hundred years old, neither the deadness of Sarah's womb. Staggered not the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. And being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. And guess what It happened, right? He had the, the son Isaac. But what do we have again? The classic case of a situation. And what do every situation have? Every situation has facts. And every situation has a truth. Amen? And what were the facts of the situation? The facts were 100-year-old man, 90-year-old woman. The facts were dead womb. The facts were no medicine. The facts were no natural treatment. The facts were doctor said you're crazy. Grandma says you're crazy. Grandpa says you're crazy. Cousin says you're crazy. The textbooks say you're crazy. The medical community says you're crazy. That's the facts. But what did truth say? You're a dad. You're a dad. You're a dad. What's God saying again? Truth trumps facts. Abraham, finally, we see it didn't happen right away, did it? I mean, they first told him, and my goodness, you thought God was doing a stand-up stand up comedian act. And uh, you're going to have a kid. Ah! They laughed at him. They laughed at him. I don't know. I think it was right, right around 75 years old. I think it was right around 86 years old. I said, you know what? It's been 11 years. I think... Uh, God missed this one, and uh, so we're going to become we're going to we're going to put our faith and know our facts. And the facts say I'm 86, and I'm not getting younger. And you know, there's still no medicine, still none of this, still it's impossible. And so let's find a younger woman to make this happen. Hagar, right, became one. So what do we see? It didn't become one, but Abraham got to the place of victory, didn't he? Where he became one with the truth. Thy word is truth. It says in verse 19, and, or no, go back to verse 18 because it talks about the truth. Who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of nations according, where did he believe from? Didn't believe because of his body, didn't believe because of medical, didn't believe because of Sarah's body. No, believed that which was spoken, which is what? The truth. And what does truth do? It always trumps facts. And being not weak in faith, considered not his own body. You know what these next verses are? This is the process, or we're getting a glimpse behind the scenes of Abraham. We're becoming, we're like peeping Toms. Of him knowing and joining and becoming one intimately with the truth. This process had to happen for what? Freedom. If you would know the truth like Abraham knew the truth guess what happened you'd become free praise God and being not weak in faith he considered not his own body what's he doing he's becoming one with the truth he's leaving he's divorcing the facts isn't he he's divorcing the facts he says I was one with the facts long enough I laughed at you I found Hagar. I was, I, was, I, mean, I was fully immersed in the facts, God. My talking, my attitude, my actions, my belief was fully immersed. I'm divorcing the facts, and now I'm going to become one with and marry the truth. 
Oh, praise God. I've never spoken like this before. I've never preached like this before, but God's good. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body, now dead. I got to divorce that. Cut that off. When he's about 100 years old, neither the deadness of Sarah's womb. He said, I was married to that too. Abraham must, must have been in one of those marriages where you can have more than one. Because he was married to his body. He was married and knew Sarah's body. Now he says, I'm not considering my body or her body anymore. I'm divorcing both of those things. Hallelujah. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully persuaded that what he had promised he was also able to perform. Well, how do we know he knew it? He started to talk it. He started to speak it. He started to live it. Oh, praise God. He became one, and what happened? Truth happened. Glory to God. Now, I'll close with this. Um, go with me to Acts chapter 9 and verse 1. Now, I don't have time to go over what every single person can face. But a lot of times what people face are things in their bodies. A lot of times what people face are things in their finances. And this is another one that, that people face is their past. But I want you to know something. This works for anything because anything you're facing that's uh, attempting to steal your abundant life has facts attached to it. That's why it's a, such a pressure because you can feel it. It's real. You see it. The, the numbers are there. Whatever the pressure, you hear the things. But God has an answer to every one of your problems that have facts with truth. So what do I always say? Get a word on it. Why? You're getting the truth on it. The truth is the key to make you free. Without the truth, you can't be free. So if you're here, you say, well, it's not finances. It's not my body. It's this. Okay, well, we know there's facts, but we got to find out what the truth is. And we got to make, make ourselves become one with that truth. But I'm just going what I was led to do tonight. And remember last week, it was, it was precious. I, I, I don't think I've shared that story from the pulpit forever where I had mentioned about the the lady years ago I was able to set free through the word I, I can't make people free but the truth can and I remember she came to me and she said she was talking about how well she was in depression and it was it was it was causing her great weight gain and just poor body image and just not taking care of herself and depression and sadness and it all stemmed from an incident when she was younger of being abused and I remember sitting there and there's times that people say things to me, and I am not a know-it-all. I need the know-it-all to tell me what to say. Amen? And this is one of those things I'm thinking, and she's telling me the things that she went through, just terrible, horrific things, you know, that would just brand and weigh upon people. And I'm, I'm sitting there thinking, I, I don't want to just give her some fluff back. I don't want to just, you know, I want to help her. And the Bible says there's freedom for everything. You just got to unlock the truth. So I needed the truth in that situation. And just up from my spirit, I told her, I said, what I'm about to share here, and this will apply to anybody's past, but even when it comes to your past, there's facts about what the past says, and there's truth about what the past says. There's facts about what the promised land looked like, and there's truth about what, it's talk, what it says about it, right? There's facts concerning your body. There's truth. There's facts concerning your money. There's truth. There's facts concerning your, your life. Look at Acts chapter 9 and verse 1. 
And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter. That is such a cozy, cuddly word. Slaughter. Remember G.I. Joe, WrestleMania, Sergeant Slaughter? He was not a fun, cuddly, warm guy. I'm guessing his last name really wasn't Slaughter, but he was the Sergeant of Slaughter. Paul was the original Sergeant Slaughter. Who is Saul? Paul, same guy, same guy. What was he doing? Breathing out threatenings and slaughter. If you remember, he was the one that held the coats and gave approval to the stoning of Stephen. He had the authority to say no or the authority to say, yep, get him. That man, the man that we are living off his revelations. Look what it says here. Threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord went unto the high priest desired of him letters to Damascus. He's going to the high priest and requesting, send out letters that if any person is found in this way, the way of Christianity, whether they are men or women, he said, I don't care what they are. We might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Dragging men and women out of their house in front of their children for following Jesus. This man did that. Murders, approving murders. One, translation, one place the Bible says he was wreaking havoc on the church. The Apostle Paul, in his former life, Saul of Tarsus, was a nasty, nasty, awful individual. Now, he thought he was doing right, and he was very zealous, but you know, he was doing it wrong, persecuting the church and, and God, but his behavior, his actions were nasty. Well, when he got born again, because this is the road to Damascus, Acts chapter 9, when he gets saved. And then he's told what? You're going to now preach to these to, to people, right? You're going to be a minister. You're going to share my way now. The one you persecuted, now you're going to share it. I can only imagine, because I, I have thoughts that come to me when I'm sitting in my office before I walk out here, and I, who, who do you think you are? You're, you're used to not be able to stay away from a casino. You the things that you used to say and do and think and put in your body and participate in, and now you can stand up as a pastor of a church? I can't imagine. Because I'm here to tell you, I promise you, I've not killed anyone yet. And you're wondering, why did he put yet in there? I don't know. Let's get rid of that word. I've not killed anybody. Yet alone, innocent Christians... Can you imagine the weight? Can you imagine the condemnation? Can you imagine the pressure? Can you imagine the guilt? Can you imagine the shame that would hold that man down? Well, what do we know about God? You can't, you can't walk in those things. There's no condemnation. What do we know about God? Come boldly to his throne. Not tail between your legs. Not ashamed. Standing in that place of authority, right? So Paul did this. And look, what, look at what... 2 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 2 says. 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 2. Receive us. This is, this is unreal. And it, it is unreal naturally. It is unreal. But you have to understand, people, we don't 
abide by natural. We abide by supernatural, which what trumps the natural. Oh, can we please go to Second uh, uh, Corinthians seven and verse two? Second Corinthians seven and verse two. I want people to see this here because it's it's mind-boggling naturally. Thank you. Receive us. Look at this, Paul. Paul's the writer of this book. We that would be including himself have wronged. Look at the next two words. No man. Say, wait, wait, what? You must have missed that, Paul. We've defrauded, we've corrupted no man, we've defrauded no man. It would seem like what happened to Stephen was wronged. He was wronged. It would seem like the men and women, the moms and the dads, and the children that had endured this were wronged by him. The havoc, the threatenings, the murders, the slaughter. It would seem like wrong. But Paul said, we have wronged nobody. Nobody. Well, here we go again. Classic case. Facts versus truth. Well, what did the facts say? The facts say your past said you did this. But what did the truth say? The truth said here in 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 17... Go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. What's the truth say? If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things are new. When they're new, the old things are not on there anymore. They're new, amen? Hallelujah. When you trade in your old car, right? that the window isn't working or one light keeps going out or the air conditioning's not working or whatever's all of a sudden you don't like about it, it's uncomfortable there, and you get a new one, the new one doesn't have the features of the old one because it's new. The new man doesn't have the features of the old man. And Paul is saying, I never wronged anybody. Why? He decided to become acquainted with truth. That trumps what actual facts are. So when I was sitting across from that, that woman, I said, up from my spirit came, 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 17, I said, what if you could renew your mind to the fact that you were never abused? Now see, a lot of people, if they're thinking wrong, would, would, would get mad at the preacher and say, how dare you belittle me that way? No. The thought of being in an abusive or in your past sins and failures and misses, in that place, even if you were the one that was wronged, that's not a place of victory for you. It's certainly not a place of freedom. People that think back on their abuse and are stuck there, that's not the picture of liberty. That's, we're just trying to get people out of bondage. We're not belittling what they went through. We're not denying what they went through. We're not saying anything other than you are offered this get-out-of-jail-free card if you become one with it. And why does it work? Because it's supernatural. The same way when you become one with what God said about Abraham, I call those things which be not as though they were. I call a hundred-year-old man a dad. Why does it work? Because truth is supernatural. When you apply truth to your situation above the facts, why does it work? Because it's supernatural. When Paul applied 2 Corinthians 5.17, which is what? The supernatural to his life. He could then say, 
I'm free from that. I don't struggle with that anymore. That wasn't me. So I said to her, I said, what if you could get to a place where you never were abused? Well, but, but I was. Factually, yes, you were. According to truth, you weren't. Factually, yeah, you, you screwed that up pretty bad. According to truth, you didn't. Amen. Come on. When it comes to your past, what do people have a choice of? Becoming one with the facts or becoming one with the truth? Paul became one with truth and was victorious, wasn't he? And we'll close with this, Philippians 3 and verse 13. Philippians 3 and verse 13. You know what's amazing to me? I, I'll just I'll tell you about sometimes with the burden naturally when I look at it the wrong way. I know my lane is faith. I know it. I've, I've embraced it. I've accepted it. I've had, I've had situations recently outside the church walls where I've been able to minister to people and it just flowed out of me and, and the Lord said, okay, this is what I have. This is the place. This is what your job is with people. Now, it doesn't mean we won't talk about other things. We do. We, we get into other things. But this is my lane, faith. And so at times I'll think naturally, what more can be said and then he goes and does tonight and things come out of me that I've never said before never looked at before angles before I'm like okay father I'll just stop arguing and, and just get on board with you there's always more in the word praise God Philippians 3 verse 13 not as though I've already attained Philippians 3 13 or either were perfected but I follow after that I may apprehend for that which also I'm apprehended of Christ Jesus brethren I count not myself to apprehend it but one thing I do forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth into those things which are before. I press towards the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore, notice this, as many as be perfect. What's that word mean? Mature. Be like-minded. What's he saying? Renew your mind to this, that God is saying to you, the past doesn't matter, my truth matters. The past is facts, my truth is where we're going. Amen? Hallelujah. Well, we have some uh, checking on our own selves to do, right? Okay, what is that situation factually saying? Am I agreeing with that? Am I speaking that? Am I thinking that? Am I confessing that? Am I, is my body language that? Is my attitude that? If I am, I'm one with that. And that doesn't lead to freedom. And okay, if that's the case, what does truth say about it? What does truth say about it? Would you give me one more verse? You don't even have to turn there. It just, this is how it's done. Joshua 1.8. How do you become one with truth? Joshua 1.8 tells you. Joshua 1.8 tells you how to become one with truth. Joshua chapter 1 and verse 8. Praise God. This book of the law, the word of God, shall not depart out of your mouth. So what's that first tell you to do? Put God's word in your mouth. Put God's truth in your mouth. God's truth needs to be in your mouth. Not I'm so sick, I'm so healed. Not this never works. No, I'm more than a conqueror. Not I'm broken, I'm always, I'm always lacking. Nope, my God shall supply all my needs. I am abundantly supplied, right? Put the truth in your mouth. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate there in day and night. What's that mean? To mutter it, to, to read it, to speak it over and over again, to sit with it, right? To let it immerse you, to, to soak yourself in it. 
Faith cometh. Belief. Belief is when you become one with it, right? By hearing and hearing the word. That's what it's telling you to do. This book of the law shall not depart your mouth, speak it, but you shall meditate therein. What's meditate? Hearing it. Hearing it in your own mind. Speaking it. Reading it. Constantly before you. Why? Then faith will show up. Meditate therein day and night. That you may observe to do according to all is written therein. Speak it. Meditate on it. Get in your faith and do the word. That's what it says there. Because when you're one with the truth, you'll do the truth, right? That then your way shall be made prosperous and then you shall have good success. You know what prosperity and good success sound like? Freedom. So how do you know the truth? Joshua 1.8 is how you get to know the truth. You say, well, I, I don't know how to become one with healing. Do what that verse says. Speak it. Saturate yourself in it. Do it. Praise God. I don't know how to become one with finances. Speak it. Saturate in it. And do it. Praise God. And then what? Freedom. Praise God. Father, we love you tonight. Thank you for this message. Thank you for our help. You are our answer. You are our help. Praise God. You are awesome, Father. We praise you and magnify you. Truth trumps facts. Truth. Everybody say that with me. Truth trumps facts. Praise God. We praise you, Lord, and bless you. Now, Father, I know everybody in this room is walking in light of salvation, is heaven-bound. I'm going to be able to spend eternity with these people here. But if there's somebody watching online right now or in the future when this service is posted, and they have never made Jesus the Lord of their life. And Father, I'll backtrack, actually. My, my spirit, I just was arrested in my heart. I remember one time, and I'll just tell the story real quick. I preached in a church. Woman came up to me afterwards. She said, I've been in this church for two years. It was, it was a faith church. It was, it was a family church. She was serving in that church. She said, I always thought I was saved until you told me what the Bible says about being saved. And she got saved. So I never want to take it for granted. So if there's someone here and you don't know that you're going to heaven, you don't know that you're born again, you're not committing to the church. You're just committing to him and, and accepting what he offered you. Same goes for people on live stream. So if you're here watching this service and you can say, Pastor Mike, I don't know that I'd go to heaven. I'm not sure that if I died today or when my time comes that heaven would be my eternity. My goodness, the Lord wants that for you. He died on the cross first and foremost to give you that eternity, to give you that relationship. And it's simple. It's easy. It's not about religious cartwheels and religious backflips and jumping through religious hoops. It's just about receiving, becoming one with that truth of what? The truth is what? The truth is, if you receive Jesus, believe on him, you'll not perish. The facts might say you're not good enough. The facts might say you don't deserve it. The facts might say you're not a qualified candidate, but the truth says you are. So with heads bowed and eyes closed real quick, please, nobody looking around, but if you want to receive Jesus tonight, don't fight this. In your heart, it's telling you, he's talking about you. He's talking about you. This goes for you online. Don't fight this. Say, I want to receive Jesus. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Nobody's looking around. Would you just lift your hand in the air if you want to receive him tonight? Anybody at all before we close? Don't let another moment pass you by if it's you. Anybody? Well, Father, I don't see a hand in the service, but if there is someone in the service, I pray they would not pass from this life till they make Jesus their Lord. And for anybody that's watching, if you've never received him, it's so simple. It's so basic. John 3.16 and Romans 10.13 are your verses. John 3.16 and Romans 10.13. That is the two, two, two uh, things that you need to do to get saved, the two qualifications. 
John 3.16 says you must believe. Romans 10.13 says with that belief, you must call on his name. And it just sounds like this. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you are who you say you are. Not with your head, not with your flesh. In your heart, you say, I believe in him. And I believe you died and rose again. I ask you, I confess you as my Lord and Savior. I call on your name. If you'll pray that and mean it, oh, he'll save you. Send me an email. Give me a, give me a phone call. Praise God. Let me know there's more for you. Can we just all stand to our feet and worship him for a second and just praise him? Hallelujah. Thank you for the truth, Father. Thank him for the truth this evening. We're just so thankful for truth. Yes. Truth is the fast track to freedom. Praise God. Truth unlocks the door of bondage. The chains of bondage are unlocked with truth. We thank you for the truth. We have a book of truth. We have the truth on the inside of us. Thank you, Lord. May we adopt that truth as one in our lives. We love you tonight. We praise you. We give you glory. Bless each and every person as they leave this place. In Jesus' name, amen. I sure do love and appreciate you. Have a good rest of your weekend. Love you. We'll see you next time. You are dismissed. Praise God. Nothing is impossible through you.